Oh, brother, Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Hope you guys have uh, enjoyed the last few days, being with family, being with friends, uh, being with one another. I know it, it, it can be an encouraging time. It can also be a discouraging time. Uh, you know, I know some of you don't have family in town or, uh, you know, you're here by yourself or whatnot, but I, I, I do hope that you have uh, at least had some ample time in the last few days to, to dwell upon Christ, to dwell upon why we celebrate Christmas, the birth of the Savior into the world, to come and to save His people from their sins and to renew all things, brethren. That, that's that's the, 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 the joy and the hope of the incarnation of Christ. That we, that, that we repeated and, and confess in the Apostles' Creed. He's come, brethren, he's come. This season in uh, this time of year in, in the church is often called uh, the, the season of Advent. Um, and I know that you know, many of you maybe don't know what that is. I was talking with my wife, and she asked me, what does Advent mean? And I said, that's a good question. I, I just looked it up about a week ago, and I didn't know either, and then... Uh, you know, because I didn't actually know. I, I've, I've known the church has celebrated Advent. Uh, that's typically the, the four Sundays leading up into Christmas. And, and at what, what Advent just simply means is, is the coming of, the, the, the arrival of someone, someone of royalty. And so obviously talking about the Advent of Christ, the, the, this season in the church, we celebrate the, the coming of Jesus Christ, coming to the world. And also the second coming. That's what the church has typically done. Spent a couple weeks focusing on, on, on the incarnation, God becoming man in Christ. And then a couple weeks on the second coming that we look forward to Christ when he comes after he has uh, put all his enemies underneath his feet. And he hands the kingdom over to the Father at the end. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, brethren, for us as, as Christians, Christ coming into the world is monumental. Brethren, if, if, if Christ did not come and save us, we'd still be dead in our sin. If Christ did not come and rise again from the dead, then our faith is in vain, brethren. That Christ, that this, is, this is important for us, and we ought to think about it. We ought to dwell upon it. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, you and I. And brethren, we, for us, also, we look forward to Christ coming again. Brethren, we want, we want Him to come. want Him to come. And brethren, in, in Advent, we celebrate the arrival of the Creator, the Creator of the world, to come and put the world back together. You know, we sang that song, as all creation groaning. It is. It is, brethren. Does, does the world feel broken to you? It is. And that's what God has done in Christ. He has come to repair and to put the world back in order. To repair it from the damage of sin, brethren, to purge it from evil, and to establish peace. And Advent, brethren, should comfort us. It should comfort us because the promise of peace and restoration to the world is, is one that will happen. Christ has promised it. The Lord has promised peace. It should comfort us. It should also encourage us, brethren, to persevere. To persevere in times of evil, in times of injustice, knowing that God will rout the wicked from the earth. He will, brethren, He will establish righteousness in the world. We saw that in Isaiah chapter 9. And brethren, God is so zealously determined to do this that He has sent His own Son into the world to accomplish it. As we read in that, in that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. He will, brethren. He will. And that ought to encourage us to persevere. Brethren, typically in, in, in Advent celebrations, and obviously we don't do this here, but what you'll find is, is lighting of candles. Anyone ever seen that before? Yeah? All right. And so that's just something traditionally that, that the church has done. There's nothing uh, in of itself wrong with that, or we shouldn't necessarily do that or, 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 or whatnot. But I think uh, light for us and, and, and that picture is a good reminder of us of Christ. And speaking of Christ, light is, is, is a symbolic picture that we ought to think and meditate upon. Brethren, the scriptures say this, that God is light. He is light, church. That in first, or, or in John, we read that John the Baptist bore witness to the light. That's Christ. We're going to look at that later. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And also we see uh, that it is appropriate for us 
to celebrate the arrival of the light of the world this time of year, not because Christ was born on Christmas, brethren. Everyone knows that. But something that we ought to think about is that the winter solstice is, is, is typically uh, this time of year. It was on December 21st. And what that typically means in the northern hemisphere, that the winter solstice is the, the longest time of night. It's the longest night of the year, the darkest day of the year. So it would be appropriate for us as believers to celebrate the light, the true light, coming into the world in the darkest day, brethren, in the darkest day, to celebrate Christ in the deep darkness, coming to shine light into the world. And brethren, listen, in the Bible, you have a sharp contrast. You have a sharp contrast between darkness and light. And these are two metaphors, these, these two concepts that, 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 that we see them all over the Scripture, and they're important. Darkness speaks of death. It's death. You, you read there in Psalm 23 that, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or you can translate that deep darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Separation from God, death, speaks of bondage. Brethren, bondage, being in a prison cell. Prisons in, back in biblical times were not like our prisons today. They weren't well lit. Where were they? They were down in the deep dungeon where it was gloomy and dark and cold. It's a picture of bondage. It's a picture of judgment. Yahweh says that He casts the wicked into deep darkness. Nahum chapter 1, verse 8. Also in Isaiah chapter 8. Speaks of trouble and depression. You see that in the book of Job? Job talks a lot about being in the darkness, being, being, in, being in, in just trouble and depression and anguish. And we hear it today. When, when, when someone says, he is in a dark place, or I'm in a dark place, we just say that off the cusp, but there's something behind that, right? I mean, you're not in a good place. If, if, if you see someone like that, or you say that about somebody, or, or, or you yourself say that, that, that is not a good place to be in, brethren, when, when you hear of someone being in a place of Dark, darkness, speaks of evil and wickedness. In Luke twenty-two fifty-three, Jesus is speaking. He's speaking uh, to the Pharisees and the scribes. And he tells them, this is your hour, the power of darkness, when they come and arrest him. And it's in that time that they beat Christ. They spit upon him. They mock him. They put a robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews. Smack him in the face while he's blindfolded. Wickedness, brethren. The darkness speaks of evil and wickedness. And in contrast to that, light. Light in the Bible speaks of, of the dawning of a new day. Of life. Of hope. Of joy. Read it in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, that the Messiah, the Son of Righteousness, will shine. The Son, S-U-N. The, the, the Son of Righteousness will shine and bring healing in its wings. Speaking of, of the Messiah, speaks of salvation and deliverance. We know that, that, that verse, Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes when? In the morning. In the morning. Salvation and deliverance. It's a reversal. Weeping in the night, joy in the morning, darkness and light, brethren. We see it also in, in Exodus 14. Yahweh saves His people out of Egypt, crosses them through the Red Sea, and then the Lord judges the Egyptians. And guess when he does that? Right at the dawn of the morning. Those Egyptians are drowned in the sea. God's people are delivered. Salvation comes for the people of God. We read in Psalm chapter 46, verse 5, that God will help her, the city of God, His people, when morning dawns. Though the earth give way and the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea, Brethren, the city of God, His people, we are helped when morning dawns. Speaks of deliverance. Speaks of vindication. Brethren, Jesus, when did Jesus Christ rise from the dead on the third day? What time of day, brethren? At, at, yes, at the dawning of a new day. At, at the sunrise, Christ rises from the dead, bringing life, a new creation, hope into the world, brethren. Light speaks of this, the dawning of the new day. And all this to say, brother, we long for it, do we not? We long for the light of Christ to permeate the world, to give life to those sitting in darkness, to renew the world. Brother, we long for the gospel of God to shine like we sang that song. We almost sang it today, but we sang it last week. On the gloomy hills of darkness. 
Isn't that not our hope? Isn't that not what we long for, brethren? That the light of Christ would shine. Brethren, that it would shine in Las Vegas, that it would shine in our families, brethren, that it would shine among the nations in our neighborhood. Is that not why we're here? It's what we live for. To bring the light of Christ into dark places, what we hope for, brethren. And make no mistake about it, that light will permeate the whole world. It will cover it, brethren. It will cover it. So this morning, I've entitled this sermon, uh, The Great Light of Advent. The Great Light of Advent. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at the promise of the great light of Advent. We're going to look at the fulfillment, number two, of the great light of Advent. And the continuation, the continuing of the great light of Advent. So flip over to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at, excuse me, chapter 8 a little bit, and then into 9. This is, brethren, the promise of the great light of Advent. Now, what's going on in this section of Isaiah is that Israel is, is, is on the verge of judgment. Judgment is looming for these people here. You see that in verse 4 of chapter 8 that the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. That's a threat of judgment. Okay? Assyria is going to come and judge Israel and carry her away captive. And we see in verses 5 and following, uh, you look at verse 6 there, because this people has refused the water of Shiloh that flowed gently, and they rejoice in Renzen, the son of Remaliah. Therefore the Lord is bringing up against him the waters of the river Euphrates, mighty and many, the king of Assyria in all his glory, and it will rise over all its channels and go over its banks, and it will sweep on into Judah. There's going to be a flood. And we know in the scriptures, a flood speaks of judgment. And the river Euphrates, metaphorically speaking, is going, to, is going to overflow and flood into Judah. There's judgment coming upon these people. Judgment. And the result of that judgment, if you look at uh, verse 21 down here, uh, just kind of skipping ahead, I want to get, get a little bit of the context here. They, they will pass through the land. These are, this is Israel. And, and, and look, look at the result of this judgment. Greatly distressed. There's a, there's a distress, there's a hunger. When they are hungry, they will be enraged. They're angry. And they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God, scornfully against Yahweh. And their faces will turn upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, look at what happens. Distress and darkness. The gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. That is the result of this judgment coming upon these people. Now we need to ask ourselves a question here. What would cause a people, what would cause a nation, what would cause a city, what would cause an individual to be cast into darkness by, by, by the one true and living God? What, what, what would cause someone to be thrust into deep darkness? So I'm telling you right now, it's turning away from the Lord. Turning away from the Lord and forsaking the true and living God. We see that in Romans chapter 1, brethren. All of mankind does not honor God and does not give thanks to Him. And their foolish hearts were what? Darkened. Thrown into darkness. Not acknowledging their Creator not giving thanks to Him, not honoring Him, not loving Him, not obeying Him, not looking to Him, not trusting Him, not anything in Him. And they are cast into deep darkness. And for Israel, they sought hope in the midst of this judgment in all other means, all kinds of means, brethren. Look at, look at, look at what it says in verse 19 of chapter 8. And when they say to you, this is the people, Say to you, Isaiah, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? So, so, so what Israel's doing is they're going to all other kinds of means. They're looking for hope 
in these, in these mediums, these, these necromancers, these spiritists, if you would, and they would not inquire of the true God, Yahweh. They would not inquire of their God. They're looking for hope in all, all kinds of places, but not into the testimony and the teaching. Look at verse 20. To the teaching and the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They have no dawn. Brethren, if no dawn comes upon a people, comes upon a nation, comes upon an individual, that is utterly hopeless. That is hopelessness. Hopelessness. Yahweh saying it will not rise on them because they will not go to the Word of God. They will not go to the true and living God. They're waiting for a dawn that will not happen. That will not happen. And brethren, people hope today in all kinds of things. All kinds of things. To bring them a dawn, to bring them hope, to bring them life. Brother, we see all over the place. People put their hope in money. Money will certainly bring me life. It'll bring me a new dawn. People in career, in their family, in possessions, all sorts of false gods, in acceptance within a culture, a community, in popularity. Brother, all those things. All, and you know what? There's a temptation for the people of God to do the same thing, to go running to all these other means to find hope. To find life. Brethren, it'll leave you, it'll leave you hanging every single time. You cannot find life in any of these things. It'll always let you down, and it has always let the world down. The world and people are in darkness because they will not turn to Christ. And they look for hope. And they inquire of all sorts of means, but they will not go to the teaching and the testimony. Then you get verse 9, or, or chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. So that that that's what leads us right into this. Judgment, deep darkness for these people. And you get that first word of verse 1 of chapter 9. But, but, there will be no gloom for her, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. A great light, brethren. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. That's good news, church. That's good news. It's a reversal. Those in darkness will see a great light on them. The sun will Rise. And brethren, the Scriptures say that this great light will shine first in this little place called Galilee. Galilee. Well, what's so significant about that? Well, I'll tell you. In the Old Testament, Galilee is only mentioned a couple times. It's, it's mentioned in passing a few times in Joshua, just real brief in passing. But there's two accounts that, that, are, that are important for us this morning. Is that, and, and you don't need to turn there. You can, you can write it down if you want, or you can. I'm not going to read it. But in 1 Kings chapter 9... Verses 10 to 13, Solomon, okay, Solomon is king of Israel, and, and he gives the, this Gentile king of Tyre, uh, his name is Hiram, and he gives him a gift. And, 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 and he gives him a gift because Hiram, this Gentile king, helped build the temple of Yahweh. That's, and that's a good sermon for another day. But so, so, so this Gentile helps build Yahweh's temple, and, and, and Solomon gives him a gift. For, for, for him sending down wood and all these other things, right? And Solomon gives him these 20 cities in Galilee, in this region, for helping him build the temple. And when Hiram goes and looks at the cities, you know what he says to Solomon? He goes, what kind of cities are these? So they are called the land of Kabul. You know what Kabul means? No, no one knows what that means, right? I didn't know what it means either. It means Worthless. Worthless. Piece of junk, garbage, good for nothing. Tyre, or, or, or Hiram looks at Solomon and goes, what, what kind of gift is this? This is a gift you give me? This, this, this area of Galilee, this is Kabul. Well, maybe some of you felt that way about some Christmas presents yesterday, you know? What, what kind of gift is this? This is Kabul. Don't tell the person that, all right? Don't, 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 don't let them know that. But uh, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just good for nothing gift. What, what is, is it this worthless place, the land of Galilee? Th that's your gift to me? 
And then you see it also in 2 Kings comes up again. And in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29, Israel is, ends up being judged, right? And God sends Assyria to come and to take the northern kingdom. And the first lands to go into captivity are the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. They're in the north. That's where Galilee is at, in the northern part of the kingdom. And then Assyria came down up from the north and conquered the people. And so, and so Galilee was judged. It was, it, was, it was taken away. And brethren, Isaiah says that in this God-forsaken, devastated city and area of Galilee, this worthless town filled with wicked people because the Assyrians uh, stayed there and, and repopulated the city, mixing there with, with, with the Jews... This wicked town, this wicked people, this devastation, God-forsaken, worthless town, this is where the great light's going to dawn first. Right here. Right here in this good-for-nothing town. Away from Jerusalem, the big city, this in some small, obscure north area of Israel. Right here. That's where the light's going to dawn. That's where the great light's coming. And brethren, Isaiah says that this great light is coming, and it will shine through a child for us. Verse 6. A child born to us. A son given to us. And this son, this great light is going to come, and he's going to rule, and he's going to have all authority from heaven and on earth. All of it. It'll belong to him. It'll belong to him. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will have divine wisdom, brethren. He will be called mighty God. He will be a warrior defending his people, judging the wicked and casting them out. He will be called everlasting father. He will be like a father who cares for his own, tenderly leading them. As you fathers in here lead your households and care for your children, Christ is going to come and shepherd his people, provide for them, Love them. Nurture them. He's everlasting, brethren. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's from ancient days. This is no mere human king. This is no Hezekiah. This is no just Josiah. Amen? This is the eternal God coming as Christ. He, is, he will be called the Prince of Peace. Brethren, His rule, His government, His reign brings divine peace. To the land, to the world, brethren, peace. And in his rule, you see there in verse 3, it's going to bring joy. Joy. You have increased the joy. It's going to bring a, a, a freeing of oppression. You see that there in verse 4. And his rule, brethren, is going to increase. And peace will increase more and more and more. Just as the Scriptures say, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Brethren, there is no one, no one more determined to make things right in this world than God Himself. No one, brethren. He Himself will do it. And that is the promise. That's the promise. That this worthless town, that this world will not be left in darkness forever. A great light is going to burst forth into the world. Now we're going to look at the fulfillment of that great light. Look to Matthew chapter 4 with me. Matthew chapter 4. It's right there, brethren. I read it in the New Testament reading. Verse 12. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, Jesus, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. The way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness, have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And Christ came and he began to preach right there. Repent for the kingdom of heaven 
is at hand. Brethren, Matthew tells us that Isaiah's, Isaiah's prophecy pointed to, it was fulfilled in Christ. It pointed right to Him. Here He is. He's the one. He's the one it pointed to. Jesus is the great light of Advent. He is the one, brethren, who brings a new day. He is the one who brings hope. He's the one who brings life into the world. He is the one who is making all things new. And brethren, this light first dawned in Galilee, and this is, this, is where, or this is where Jesus began his ministry, right here. Purposefully, he went right here to Galilee and began his ministry. And in that, Galilee saw the great light who is Christ. And brethren, the scriptures testify that Jesus is the great light. He is the light, brethren. You look at the birth of Christ uh, back in uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2. You can turn over there with me. Uh, And the birth of John the Baptist. Keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 4. We're coming back there. Uh, Luke 1. Jesus is the great light. Luke chapter 1. Verses 76 and 79. Remember that this is the announcement of John the Baptist's birth to a barren Elizabeth. And Zechariah, his dad, was 67 of chapter 1 of Luke, filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, look what he said in 68, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has visited us and redeemed His people. He's visited. That's an advent. He has come. He's come. He's arrived. He has come to visit and to redeem His people. And then look at what He says in verse 76, talking to John about John. And you, child, His son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you, this is John, will go before the Lord Christ to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. There He is, brethren. Christ. Dawning on a new day. Look at uh, chapter 2. This is Simeon. Simeon, he holds little baby Jesus in his arms. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a righteous and upright man. And they bring Christ to the temple. And he holds Christ. And look at what he says. Verse 28. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding Christ. His eyes have seen the salvation of the world that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Brethren, that's good news. That is Christ. Look over to John. John chapter 1. A couple couple pages over. Again, Scripture testifies that Christ is the great light. Look at John chapter 1. Starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. That's the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, that's the Word, Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Brethren, this is Christ. Christ is the light. In Him was life. He is the light of men. Christ comes and He shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. It does not. It does not. And John came to bear witness about the light. And then verse 9, the true light. The true light, the true light, brethren, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The world, the cosmos, the world. 
Now listen to me, this is important. Jesus, as the true light, comes and he shines into the world and that light now shines on everyone. Now listen, the light used to be hidden in the Old Testament. It used to be hidden. It was hidden in the tabernacle and it was hidden in the temple, in the lampstand. The lampstand, the light that lights the house. It was hidden away, brethren. The common folk could not go in into that, behind that, that, that first curtain. Only the priest could go in there. And then the Holy of Holies, the next, the next level. But you couldn't go in to see the lampstand. You couldn't go in to see the light. The light was concealed. It was hidden. But in Christ, the light of the world burst forth, brethren. No more to be concealed. No more to be hidden away. The light of the world, Christ, comes into the world and gives life to everyone. Light to everyone. No more to be concealed, brethren. Bursting forth. Bursting forth out of the tabernacle. Bursting forth out of the temple. And it shines on all. Now listen. This light gives life. Amen? But light, brethren, is also a warning in it. Light exposes. Light exposes. And it exposes what we would love to keep concealed. That's the warning of light. You come into the light, brethren, and there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. It exposes what you want most to keep concealed. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 19. Two pages over. Remember, we love John 3.16. Everyone loves John 3.16. Amen. Heard a good sermon on that once. Amen. And, but brethren, listen, you got to go to the next verse. What's the next verse say? Right? Heard a good sermon on that one too. 317. But brethren, you got to keep going. Right? And people don't keep reading past verse 16. Look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him, Christ is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 19. Listen. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Brethren, Light is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and it's threatening. And it exposes. And when light exposes people, brethren, they feel ashamed. There's, a, there's, a, there's an ashamed feeling when you come into the light. When you come into the light, brethren, it feels like death. It feels like death. And you want to run and hide just like Adam and Eve and grab for your fig leaves and hide from God. That's what the world does. Because they're exposed before a holy God. And listen, this is why people do not go to a church that preaches the Bible. They don't want to talk about the Scriptures. They don't want to talk about the Gospel. This is why your unbelieving family can't stand you. They don't want to talk to you. They hate Christians. They don't want to come to your church. Why? lest their deeds be exposed, brethren. That's why the light exposes the darkness. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us feel ashamed, and them ashamed, the world ashamed. And people would rather stay in the darkness than come into the light and feel like death, to be exposed and naked before a holy God with nothing to hide, nowhere to hide. But they have to come into the light so that the darkness would be overcome. Brethren, there is life in the light, and the world needs to know that. You've got to come, come into the light. It'll feel like death. It'll feel like death. But that's where the darkness will be overcome. That's where it'll be overcome. There is life 
in the light. Brethren, Christ will bring the world out of prison. He, that's what he came to do. Remember when you read that in Luke 4? He came to set the captives free in that deep darkness of the dungeon. That's what he's come to do. He will set the world free. But they must come. Jesus said in John 8, chapter 12, or John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Brethren, that's the hope. That's the hope to the world. To follow after Christ. Follow after Him. No longer to walk in darkness, brethren. Being able to see clearly. Being able to know your way. Escaping sin and death. And having hope and life. Following after Christ. And you know what? Jesus says it there in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Brethren, that's our message to the world. To repent. How do you come into this kingdom of light? The message to the world is to repent. To forsake your sin. To turn away from it. No good work, brethren, will save the world. We need to be telling people that. Your good works will not save you. Your giving to charity will not save you. You following the rules will not save you. No church attendance will save anyone, brethren. Repent is the call to the unbeliever and believe in Christ. Follow after Christ. And there's hope there. You will have the light of life. But brethren, the warning is also for us as a church. It's also for us as God's people. The warning is for us as well, brethren. We have sin that must still be exposed. And brethren, it does not get any more comfortable to come into the light because you're a child of God. It's still uncomfortable. It still hurts. It still makes you feel ashamed. It doesn't get more comfortable. Brethren, it's easy to come to church physically every week, easy. But it's easier to hide spiritually. To hide. Brethren, we need to be those that recognize that there are healing. There's healing in the wings of the sun. Healing for us, brethren. We need to be like David. Remember what David said in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24? He said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. Brethren, we just heard a sermon on this. The will of the Lord is what? Your what? So it's this. Sanctification. Your sanctification, brethren, coming into the light more and more and more and killing sin more and more and more. Brethren, do not hide from the light. Christian, don't go reach it for your fig leaves to try to cover your nakedness. Christ has covered you. He has, sent, he has come and died for you. He's risen for your justification. Don't hide from the light, church. Don't make excuses for your sins. Come and be exposed and forsake them. As we are conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Now, let's go back over to Matthew 4. Now, in Matthew 4, brother, when that great light comes and it first dawns there in Galilee, Christ comes to Galilee. And we see here a small picture of the effects of Christ's rule on the earth. Okay? He's here. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here because who's here? The light, the king, right? Amen. The king is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. It is drawn near. Repent, therefore, and believe. And then what does Christ do? He starts calling disciples to himself. You see that there in 18 uh, to 23? Starts calling these fishermen to him. He starts calling his disciples. And then look at what happens here in verse 23 and following. Look at the effects in small seed form, brethren, here they are right here, so small, easy to read right over, of, the, of, of Christ's rule on the earth. 
Brethren, when the king comes, the truth is taught and the gospel is proclaimed. He says that there. And he went throughout all Galilee, that's Christ, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, brethren. That is a small picture of his rule on earth. The truth is taught. The gospel is proclaimed. Brethren, there is triumph over sickness and death. He's healing diseases. He's, he's, he's curing the, 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 the paralytics. Those with afflictions and pains, brethren. He's healing. He's triumphing over sickness. Satan is being put to flight. He's out here casting out demons. Okay, why? Because he's binding that strong man and he's plundering his house. Taking his goods. Satan is put to flight. See that there? He's, he's healing those who are oppressed by demons. Verse 24. And also, brethren, Christ is gathering people from the four corners of the earth. Look at what it says in 25. And great crowds followed Him. From where? Galilee in the north. The Decapolis in the east. From Jerusalem in Judea to the south. And from the land beyond the Jordan to the west. Brethren, they're coming from all over the world. They're coming from all over. North, south, east, and west, coming and following after Christ. Brother, we get it right here. His, the effects of Christ's rule on the earth. The truth is being taught. He's triumphing over sickness and death. He's, Satan's being rout, routed, put, put to flight, and Christ is gathering people from everywhere, brethren. That's a fulfillment. The light has dawned in Galilee. It was promised in Isaiah chapter 9. It has come in Christ. And brethren, it continues that great light continues to spread across the world. This is point number three here. The continuation of the great light. Remember, so, so the light first dawns in Galilee, right? And then remember what Jesus said before his death and resurrection? He told his disciples, I'm going to die. They didn't understand all of this. I'm going to suffer and die and be raised from the dead. And after that, I'm going to meet you where? Remember we told him to meet him? Take a wild guess. Yes, he said to go to Galilee. He goes, after I've risen from the dead, meet me in Galilee. Go to Galilee, you will find me there. And you see it there in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 32. And then remember, when, when, when Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples ran down there, uh, to, and, and Mary was down there as well, and the angel, or an angel, appears to them in the tomb. and says, what are you doing here? Jesus is not here, he's risen. But go and you will see him in Galilee, as he told you, right? And that's in, uh, at, the, at the resurrection account. And then go to Matthew chapter 28. So he says to meet me in Galilee after my resurrection. And you see in the Great Commission, now we love verse 18, 19, and 20, right? We, we love the Great Commission. That's good. Amen. Love the Great Commission. But brethren, there's good, verse, there's, there, there's good things right before the Great Commission. Look at what he says in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28. Now the eleven disciples went to where? Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus excuse me, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Brethren, it's in Galilee that Jesus' ministry first dawned. That's where the light dawned. And brethren, it's from Galilee that Christ commissions the church to go into the world, to go into the world and bring the gospel to make disciples of all nations. And he says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Brethren, every time the church goes out, it is another advent of Christ. It's a continuation of the great light of Advent. Christ is with us always. So when we go out into the darkness, brethren, Christ is going out into the darkness. It's a continuation. You follow me there? You see what I'm saying? It, it, it's happening repeatedly. It continues on. Christ is with us in, with, in His Spirit, in the Spirit of God. So when the church goes, 
Christ goes. It's another Advent, brethren. It continues. He goes with us. He goes with you. As you shine light into the darkness, He comes and He comes and He comes, brethren. And the darkness does not overcome it. And Paul, I think, picks this up in Acts chapter 13. So flip over there with me. Acts chapter 13. Paul is on his first missionary journey here. He's with Barnabas. The church has been commissioned. The church is filled with the power from on high by the Holy Spirit and told to go out and be a witness for Christ, to go make disciples. And they start doing that, amen, in, in the book of Acts. And then look at what, we're going to pick up right here in 44, chapter 13, verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost a whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. This is from Paul and Barnabas. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And look what he says in 47. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Okay, now I'm going to try this cross-reference thing one more time. All right? Who's got a cross-reference right there? Right at the very beginning of that little quote. That's a quote from the Old Testament. There we go, 49.6. Yes. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 49.6. And Isaiah 49.6, this is, this is a servant song there. There's, there's four of them in Isaiah, and, and, and they're about Christ. Now listen to what Isaiah 49.6 says. This is, this is Yahweh speaking to His servant, to Christ. It is too light a thing that you should raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. It's too light a thing. It's too little a thing for you just to raise up resurrection Raise up the tribes of Israel, the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel, the remnant. Too, too, too light a thing, too small. I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Brethren, this applies first to Christ, who is the light of the nations. We just saw that in Luke chapter 2. Simeon is holding Christ and he says, this is the light, the light for revelation to the Gentiles that the salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Now, brethren, how is Jesus supposed to be a light to the nations that salvation may reach the ends of the earth? He's not here anymore. How is that going to happen? Did it reach the ends of the earth? It, no. It's still going. But He's gone, brethren. He's been gone for 2,000 years. How, how, how has that been happening? And that's not rhetorical. I want you to answer that. That's right. Through the church, brethren, through His people, by the Spirit, we are like Him, bringing light into the world. And Paul says, the Lord has commanded us. Paul stands right in, right in line with Christ. He, he, he applies a passage to Christ and says, that's me, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord commanded me, right in line with Christ. That's what the world, or the, that, that's what the church is doing, brethren being commissioned by God to bring the light to the world. And we see it. We see this. And you know this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Go, go over there. And, and you, may, you may know exactly where I'm going here. Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount. Look at what he says here. Jesus. Verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others, so that, this is the purpose, brethren, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brethren, when he says you're the light of the world, that you, that's plural. This is talking about community. You all. You all are. The, the, the community of disciples. You are the light of the world. You are a city set upon a hill as a raised up as a beacon of light to the world. Brethren, that, that, that imagery recalls Isaiah 2, where, where, where on, 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 on Zion, the city Jerusalem, up on a hill, is a beacon of hope to the nations, and the nations stream into her, glorifying the Father. But brethren, it's, it, it's no mere Jerusalem. It's the new Jerusalem, the church. Brethren, the church is the new Jerusalem, is the true Jerusalem, the true Zion. And the nations, brethren, with that city, the church, set upon a hill, the nations are going to flow into her, glorifying the Father. And that's what Jesus says right here. To give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brethren, we're to let our light shine, that the world would see our good works, brethren. It happens through the good works of God's people. This is, this is how this works, brethren. It's through our, our good works, through our worship, through the offering of our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It is through speaking forth the gospel to our neighbors and our co-workers and our loved ones and our friends. It is through loving the poor and helping the weak, brethren. It's through reaching out, planting churches, missions, all of it. These are our good works. Brethren, if we cease to do good works, it's like putting a, putting a basket over our light. And the sad reality is, brethren, Christians and churches do that today, do they not? They cease to do good works. And in that, they put a basket on the lamp. And the light does not shine, brethren. They have no impact in the world, no impact in the community. Brethren, there is no other alternative. There's none. We... Brethren, the church, the, the, the called out ones, we are the light of the world. And that's how the light of Christ is going to go to the world, brethren. It's not going to happen through the Red Cross. It's not going to happen through, through charities. It's not going to happen through sports teams, giving out bikes to little kids, or, 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 or handing out turkeys in a, in a, in a drive through line. That's not how it's going to happen, brethren. It's going to happen through the church. It's the church which shines the true light. The true light, brethren, through the church. Brethren, it's the church of the living God that brings the light into the world. To those sitting in darkness that God's salvation may reach the ends of the world. The ends of the world. Brethren, I, 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 I want that to encourage you and to spur you on to spur you on to love and good works. To love and good works. Because when the, when the world sees your good works, they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Brethren, the great light of Christ was promised. The great light of Advent came. And brethren, it continues. It continues through the church, as we go out, Christ is with us always, brethren, to the end of the age. May we give ourselves, brethren, give ourselves to bring this light of Christ, to bring the gospel to those who are sitting in darkness. Brethren, the light will permeate the world. It will all be lit, brethren. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do it. Let's pray.